Now Lonnie Finley's his name Vince Eustace is his This is hip hop And movie news And And that's that's the the way way it is Episode number 14 And just like number 14 of the Toronto Raptors Danny Green We're coming in hot We're hitting everything Bringing you everything from Tinsel Down to the Boogie Down The home of the real hip hop Spelled R-E-E-L the extra E stands for Elias, as in walk with Elias. Both the WWE superstar and the Baltimore Orioles general manager. We know it's been a rough season, but we have faith in you. We're not giving up on you. Number one pick. Here we go. This is Hip Hop and Movie News, the podcast. I am Vince Eustace. I'm Lonnie Finley. You've got three references of three different things in that podcast opening. I'm super impressed with how you did that. Tied it all in together. These are, getting, these are getting better and better every do. week. I'm very excited. Them. I'm very excited because back again joining us is producer extraordinaire Patrick Pierre. Favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movie is Legionnaire. Oh my. And his favorite Kevin Bacon movie is, of course, The Air Up There. Yeah. Good to have you back, bud. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. I was going to come back and defend myself against uh, The Air Up There. <laughs> but now he added Jean-Claude uh, Legionnaire, so... You know what? I can't defend myself. <laughs> that is an underrated movie, by the way. I really want to say I'm a huge John Cloud fan. I've seen pretty much all of his movies, even the really bad ones, which is like hard to say which ones are good or bad. Legionnaire is underrated. If you have like an hour <laughs> and 45 minutes and you have nothing to do, pop on Legionnaire, sit back, eat some popcorn, enjoy. You probably won't be disappointed. You might be disappointed. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure the listeners probably won't be able to tell because he's a pro. But Lonnie Finley, you're a bit under the weather. This is gonna be your flu game. This is this is you just gutting it out for the love of the game. I can't tell if I'm sweating because I don't feel good or if it's just because it's hot in California. It is blindingly hot in Burbank, California, right now. It is hot in here. It's it was cooler where you guys were, right? Was it cooler down in Anaheim or is it like uh, a little bit, right? Yeah, it was. But like it's still very hot. Okay, so I because I feel like right now what's happening is like an assault on my person. <laughs> we might have to strip down to our like underwear at some point. You think this is a radio uh, recording, or, you know, a radio show, exactly. not a, a podcast, not exactly. a not a visual thing here because no. uh, ain't pretty. No, none of this is pretty, guys. All right, so starting off this week's show on a somber note, Bushwick Bill, uh, the popular iconic rapper from the legendary rap group Ghetto Boys, has been battling stage four pancreatic cancer for a while. Uh, he's been hospitalized. Uh, there was news reports that he had passed away. His family was saying he isn't he isn't gone yet. He's still fighting. He's still fighting valiantly. Uh, and then the family came out late Sunday night to say that Bushwick Bill has passed away at the age of 52 to pancreatic cancer. Uh, Bushwick Bill was he was he was the dwarf. He's a dwarf. He was the little guy, but he like his his just charisma and talent was so much bigger than that. And he was uh, remembered just for being. I just remember him from the iconic cover uh, where he shot his eye out by accident, and then he and the rest of the Ghetto Boys are in the hospital. Like, hey, let's just shoot the album cover right here. He actually 
has died before. This is the second time this man has died. And he was quoted as saying that he doesn't fear death. Because he knew, with obviously, this was a very aggressive form of cancer and that it probably wasn't going to look good for him. But he said, I'm not afraid of death. I've already died before. I know it's on the other side. So rest in peace to Bushwick Bill. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Bushwick Bill in general, his legacy? Just Well, first let me say, uh, I unfortunately lost my aunt to pancreatic cancer. So it's one of those things where... I, you can fight as much as you want, and, and it's great that you did that, and I'm glad that the, fam- the family was there and able to, like, be with him and, and you know, in that time, but it's, it's, it's a debilitating, you know, illness. It's pancreatic cancer. It's, it's, it's tough. So, uh, for everyone who is dealing with that or has someone dealing with it, you know, just try to be with their family as much as possible and, you know, and... Show them your love and all that. That's really the most you can do. And you know, science hasn't progressed enough to figure that one out. But we're at the point where like people are passing away, and it's, it's weird because you. I, I hate having to go down these memory roads of like the, the artist who we lost, whatever. I'm just yeah. He, I, I remember him. It's probably not like the moment that a lot of people remember because it wasn't really a, a bigly. It wasn't like a watch show that like by a lot of people. But he was on the White Rapper show for a second. Uh, he was brought on as one of the people to sort of help out the, the white rapper contestants on a, a song. And I think someone, if they won a competition, they got to use him as part of their oh like my, music video. Right. And he was like so chill and so cool and very helpful. Like, because you had some, I remember they had some rappers come on the show. I think like Nori was on and like some winners came to like have dinner with him. And he like bounced after like five minutes. He's like, all right, cool, later. I remember uh, Brand Nubian came on, and Lord Jamar, of course, wasn't having any of it, oh, and right. was just like shoot them all out. And it's like, why should we be helping you guys out? Like, John you guys Brown, heard any of this. King of the Birds, yeah, exactly. Is that a yeah? But wow. Bushwick Bill was like so cool and so welcoming, and was like, yeah, like whatever you guys need to help. He was just like they put him in the music video, and he was just good sport about everything and just game about everything, and like dropped like knowledge on them. It was just, very, but not like in a pretentious way. He was just very open and very honest and got people like Snoop Dogg paying tribute on Twitter saying that like he was kind of like an early mentor to him and Warren G uh, other like Bismarcky Charlemagne that's what I love about it sucks when someone in hip hop dies but what I love about the hip hop community is that everyone sort of pulls together and shows respect and shows love and I think that's really cool I kind of wanted like a people to get together and, and do like a not like a tribute thing but like you know what I mean like I would let them be hey, get some these rappers together and just like and like hear what they their thoughts are about it, but it's just like maybe have like a not like a Bushwick album, but I'm saying like you know to come together to do something. I can see nice. like like the BET Awards. I think are like coming up. Soon. Yeah, I can see. Like, do they do those? There. Do, do they really do the like the in memoriams things though? Like uh, I've never seen them. Do. I don't, they don't, you know, because but but like but but they might do see. like a they might do like a like a musical tribute. That's right? what I'm like saying. someone will come out and do like mind playing tricks on me or something. And Scarface will probably come out and perform too. All right, well, rest in peace, Bushwick Bill. I, he was—he started off as like a dancer with them, and like became part of the group. So like, he—he he definitely worked his way up. Do you have any memories of him? Uh, yeah, I do. Besides, uh, you know, obviously the classic song my mind's playing, "Tricks on Me." He was on an episode of Martin, where he be- oh he, yeah he beat up Tommy. <laughs> That's oh, right. Spoiler alert! Oops. Sorry, everyone. But uh, yeah, that that episode was like was so good. That was the first time I seen him act. And uh, I would say he was uh, he was good on that episode. Yeah, that was that was a good one, Tommy. Tommy who had no job. We got no job, Tommy. No. Oh. All right. Uh, moving on to Jay Z. 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 Jay Z.
officially become the world's first billionaire rapper, according to Forbes magazine, which we were a little confused about. We'll talk about that in a second. But let's talk about Jay-Z becoming the, the, a billionaire, which is always incredible. Uh, this guy started off uh, like very poor, had to hustle on the streets, selling his uh, CDs out of the trunk of cars, uh, distributing like stuff through Rockefeller, become, like becoming his own boss, like the Rockefeller Records, Dame mm-hmm. Dash as well. Maybe selling some other things to finance. Well, that was the hustling. I, was, I felt like that was insinuated. Uh, but yeah, selling some other things. Uh, but yeah, just where he's come from. I was looking at like his holdings that have helped him become a billionaire. He's got 310 million ownership in, God, I can't even pronounce these things. Armand de Brignac, Mr. Bartender, Champagne, is that a thing? I don't know what you're saying. What uh, words are you trying to say? Uh, say Armand de Brignac, Champagne. He's got $310 million in the Brignac. Yeah, sure. What <laughs> <laughs> you said was close enough. I'm, I'm just, right, just going to go over the things that I can pronounce. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so the Cognac, I'm not even pronouncing. Uh, he's got $100 million in title streaming service, $50 million in real estate, $70 million investment in Uber, which I remember you telling me about. I didn't even know yeah. he had anything tied into Uber, but apparently he does. Apparently he has a big art collection. And he raps about the art collection. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I knew about that. Yeah. Uh, he was once uh, rapped uh, on his 2017 444 album, Ain't No Such Thing as an Ugly Billionaire, I'm Cute. Uh, I beg to differ, not on his account necessarily, but a lot of billionaires I've seen. Uh, but what he's saying is, yeah. how am I ugly when I have a billion dollars? Yeah. You stupid person. I will find someone right. to find me attractive. A lot of people yes. will find you attractive if you are a billionaire. So we were confused. First off, congrats to Jay-Z. This is huge for you. And I think it's great for hip-hop to see, like, oh, wow, someone who started from nothing, like, becoming a billionaire. Something that only a handful of people can do. Uh, we all thought that Dr. Dre was hip-hop's first billionaire a couple years back. And we were very confused. We were talking about this, and then we looked into it, found out that Dr. Dre sold uh, Beats by Dre for over a billion dollars. But his own personal like net worth is still a lot of money, still a ton of money, but is not quite You know what range is in? Is he like in a seven? I, I felt like it was like eight fifty. Eight, okay. Eight hundred fifty million, I okay. think. So he's still I'm not sure. Game. But it was something like that. Yeah, he's not he's still he's okay. fine. Uh, but yeah, uh, thoughts on Jay Z being a billionaire. Well first off I want to comment on one thing. I want to say uh, to the uh, the wife of the Warriors owner who leaned in on Jay-Z and was talking to him and like ignoring that Beyonce was there. Like, I'm not a part of the Beehive, I just will say. I mean, look, I love him. I'm not knocking. I love the Beehive. I love love Beyonce, obviously. But watch yourself, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but watch yourself. Yeah. Because Jay's, Jay's going to talk to you because, you know, that's what he does. But, you know, Beyonce won't talk to you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, is that a dead horse in my bed? Yeah. And we've also seen that the NBA is not shy on kicking owners or part owners out. Well, especially if you push, you know, yeah, if you push how loud yeah. you can, yeah. Yeah, but... If she pushes Beyonce, that could be something. Just, so first of all, let's get that out, the, get out that there out right now. Uh, but as far as Jay, you know, being a billionaire, and it's one of those things where it's like, the reason why 
that means so much to me why I really enjoy it is because, you know, he's it's what he's doing with it. So you can see someone who's like realize how to invest their money, what to invest in, the fact that, you know, hey man, if I invested money at this time, I would have been way you know, what would I have had then? So like the idea of like making investments and then also the stuff he's doing with like, you know, trying to legally help out people who can't help themselves is something yeah. where like that's because of his fear of influence. So being a billionaire, he has he's gonna have way more influence to be able to help out black people, just to keep it as basic as possible. But that kid yeah. rapper we covered like one of our early episodes yeah. that was at the mall and manhandled yeah. by the cops yeah. and he was like, Go. Yeah. When he when that he hired the lawyer for that one? Right. And and just to be able to like, you know, to be able to help <clears throat> excuse me, help other people out in that aspect is something where I'm like you can do stuff as a bit like there's no ugly billionaires. There's also billionaires don't get turned down much about wanting to do whatever they want to do with their money. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see all the stuff that he starts to branch out in. And I'm kind of also wondering too, because like, you know, we, we know that he's a billionaire. Like where's Beyonce at? She is, Does she, you know, let me see. Where's I, Beyonce it, at? And then got her right here. She, her net worth is estimated to be 355 million. See, that seems a little low to me. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like she has more money than they ain't, something they ain't being, you know. I know he obviously has been doing whatever, but I got feel like maybe she's got a little bit you know, more in there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like a power couple, it's just like a, it's an awesome thing, too, to see a, a couple like this who is as powerful. If anything, they're kind of like, to me, like the like the hip-hop Will and Jada. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Which is weird, because Will and Jada are the hip-hop Will. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, like, yeah, yeah. Specifically, like, you, you stayed in hip-hop. You know, Jay-Z never was like, oh, let me be an actor. He didn't continue to be an actor, and part of the reason is because he's, you know... What was that, State Property 2? State Property 2, yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy about this. Uh, yeah, happy for him, too. I think it's uh, great for him. Great for Beyonce, too. Uh, any thoughts on billionaire Jay-Z? Yes. Now, you know, I'm always... I don't want to be the guy that's always bringing the negative. Okay, no, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, well, then, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. I don't want to know what he has to, 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 to say. How are you guys mathematics? Are you guys good at math? No. No. Well, no. I'm an actor, bro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm curious. Out of that one billion, what percentage do you think of the drug money made it into that one billion? I'm just, I'm curious. Is it, you know, zero, what percent, five percent, you know, because you know that that drug Ooh. money still has to be there somewhere. I got a good answer for that. The same amount of illegal money that our president currently has in his bank. Ooh. So everybody got a little bit of dirt in their account if they got Well, I mean, Jay, Jay, Jay always said that he was, even if he wasn't rapping, he'd be rich because of yeah. the drug dealing he did. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to even put into account how much a million dollars is versus a billion dollars versus a thousand dollars. I know it's all a lot of money. So I would assume that Jay has spent that drug money already because just in terms of the art and stuff like that, like I'm sure he maybe put that invested into like Rockefeller and stuff like that, but I'm saying like the actual amount, let's say he made $2 million selling drugs. I don't even know if that's a feasible amount for selling drugs. Uh, let's say he made $2 million. He's easily spent that money already. Like, I mean, you don't have to spend that money specifically. Yeah. He could have that money. Maybe the idea that like maybe you shouldn't spend it. Yes. Yeah. You know, unless you laundry it. I don't know the process. Yeah. Again, not drug dealers here. We're not good at this. But uh, I don't. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Like, how much of that drug money? How much of that you know billionaire? First of all, I don't know any drug billionaires. But like, even what? 
Escobar wasn't like, oh, well, no, actually. There was that one house they found that was like everything had money in all the walls. So, you know, it could be well over a billion dollars. Escobar didn't make the blueprint, so. He didn't. He could have, though. And it's been rapped about a lot. So, <laughs> kind of cross thing. Um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Though? The reason why I was trying to bring it up is like, there's like, I would, I'm, I'm going to assume that a lot of these billionaires, there's probably some things they've done that are a little bit like on the shady side, or maybe they've also killed some people. <laughs> the dude who owns the uh, the Russian billionaire who owns the Nets, that dude, uh-huh. I saw a whole expose on him. That guy has probably killed some people. I, I also agree. I don't want to like, like be down on Jay or anyone who's made their money, but I do feel once you've made that much money, there's kind of I don't want to say level of selfishness, but it's like you're making way more money than like you probably need to. So I feel like along the way, there are probably some people who probably got the like short end of the stick. Yeah, probably. There's yeah. probably some people who are like, "Hey, Jay's a billionaire, and he screwed me over." You yeah. know, like a whole list of people. But and this is kind of this is a totally separate thing. But I was looking at um, a. Uh, weird clip of Ellen and she had Mark Wahlberg on and he was like presenting his family with like um, a check for money and like car uh, and the thing about it was I was thinking to myself I'm like every time I see Mark Wahlberg doing something I'm like you, you messed a dude up yeah you know but then I was thinking to myself but what he's been trying to do is like almost like not make amends would be like, hey, I'm gonna try and help as many people as possible. Yeah. The fact that I know I've done something horrible. Trying to be a better person. You right. can't change and, the past. And I, see, and I see him actually, I'm like, I think about like, man, all the impact of what he's done, which is good, has been somewhere I'm like, yeah, you did something horrible, but you now use this. So my thing is that like, Jay Z has probably also realized too, I gotta start to like really help out people in my, my community, my culture, because I used to sell drugs, bro. <laughs> uh, so congrats to Jay Z, uh, billionaire. Mogul, and in the words of EPMD, lyrical mastermind, genius, don't snooze, no missions impossible, ask Tom Cruise. Which leads us into our next story about Tom Cruise. Uh, I gotta believe Tom Cruise got a call from his agent this morning uh, saying, Good morning, Mr. Cruise. Uh, Last night, at around 8 o'clock, international superstar Justin Bieber challenge you to a fight inside an octagon for seemingly no reason. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to humble this young Canadian superstar. So, I'm sure you guys have heard about this by now because it's all over Twitter, all over the social media. Uh, Justin Bieber has <laughs> tweeted out that he wants to challenge mega movie star Tom Cruise to an MMA UFC fight he says, uh, I want to challenge Tom Cruise to fight in the octagon. Tom, if you don't take this fight, you're scared and you will never live it down. Who is willing to put on the fight? Why are you and making him add, sound so tough? And then he added Dana White. <laughs> oh, no. Why are you doing it? Say it how he would say it. Don't say it all like I, tough. I, like well, that. I, one for me, I'm not a tough guy, so I assume if I say it in my regular voice. You're, you're, it, you sound it, way tougher than Justin Bieber right. ever sounded right, right. Whoa, whoa. I want to challenge Tom Cruise to a fight in the octagon. Tom. You don't take this fight. You're scared. You will never live it down. Who is willing to put on the fight? At Dana White? Because he wants Dana White to, I guess, put on the fight. That actually is way more Justin Bieber-like. Okay. I like that. I, that I, I'm, trying, I'm yeah. trying to go like falsetto. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, oh, and then, because this isn't enough of a shit show, Conor McGregor weighed in on it. It was like, yeah, 
Like, I'll do, like, is this be a grave? I think he wants to host it. I think he wants See, to be the, part the, of this. The problem is this. First of all, like, if I'm, like, let's say I'm drinking or partaking in some sort of a substance and I'm a little bit, you know, you know, influenced. Mm-hmm. I don't go on my phone and start tweeting out stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, Justin Bieber clearly had a thought about something either last night or something he's been thinking for a while. And what he has done is decided to tell us. Now, normally, we ignore idiots, right? Yes. But because this idiot happens to have the ability to have a bunch of people listen to him and immediately respond to it, this is what happens. Now, first of all, I want to correct you. Uh, I don't think Justin, I'm sorry, uh, Tom Cruise's agent called him. (laughs) Uh, But I do believe, and they don't, you know, they did newspapers at the Celebrity Center. So that's probably what he got. Got an update from the newspaper. But they, it's their whatever. Uh, if he goes about trying to challenge Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise even considers this for a, a remote second, he was going. He will destroy. Just I. He's going to destroy. Just, will destroy Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber. Right. I don't know why he would even respond to this. He should laugh at it and look at it. The the. I want this to happen. I want to see it happen. But let's be honest. Like Tom Cruise is like there's. It's just a random challenge for me to pick out Tom Cruise. Yeah. Someone who has only, the only movies he's done lately have been him being fit. Has he done any sort of thing dramatically at all? Any, like, he's only done action movies, yeah, right? Yeah, he's doing Jack Reacher. He's doing Mission Impossible. He did the Mummy, Mummy. movie. No, uh, just nonstop physical action. Yeah, nothing. Right, that's, and then he's going to be doing Top Gun again. And like, oh, is he? Yeah, they're going to, they're going to do like uh, apparently another one of that. I don't know. Okay. But but basically what I'm saying is like I don't think that he's he's not in the he's in the great physical peak yes. right now. I don't think this is something you should do. So there is an age difference. Uh Tom mm-hmm. Cruise is fifty six. Doesn't look fifty six, but he's fifty six. Justin Bieber's twenty five. Um Bieber has some boxing not like professional boxing experience, but you know, he takes boxing lessons, I think, from like probably Freddie Roach or someone who's like trans people. Uh, Tom Cruise, I believe, is a former high school wrestler. Like you said, he does his own stunts. He fights in his movies, which doesn't mean like he's a great fighter in real life, but he's not fighting a real fighter. He'd be fighting, hypothetically, Justin Bieber. So it's interesting how Tom Cruise, I I mentioned this to you guys, is at times a divisive type person because of Scientology and just kind of being a weird guy. He makes great movies, but it's like, ah, he's a little off. Everyone is pro Tom Cruise on this. Like, I haven't seen anyone, and I'm sure there's believers out there who stick by their guy th- through thick and thin. Believers? Believers. Believers. That's what we're called. That's what they're called. Okay, so I wanted to make sure you actually uh, did. Yeah. 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 Are you trying to tell us something? Mm, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So, there are people who I'm sure are standing up for Justin Bieber, like Conor McGregor, but everyone is like really all about Tom Cruise winning this hypothetical, hypothetical fight, which I was talking to Marissa about. And when I told her about this, she like rolled her eyes, like, oh my God, like, they'll do, like, what are we living in? And I was like, and then I, and then I told her, I was like, oh, if anything happened, I'd watch it. She's like, oh, I'd definitely watch it. But it's one of those things like where you hate yourself. I feel like, I feel like Justin Bieber doing this is like 10 years too early, if that makes sense. Meaning that like, this is something you do when you have like, Shaved your head, bald, and walked in a restroom barefoot 
Britney Spears stuff. The VH1 still had like this right. reality life. I feel like he's. I, I'm like. I don't think you've lost it, Justin, yet to be doing crazy stuff. No, like you know, what I mean, a, this feels he's like he's so relevant. This feels like an old a celebrity being like, oh right, like, like Jose Canseco came out and said this. So you're like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Someone who like we're like, dude, you, you've already you're out of the limelight. You, you're crazy. You've done some bad stuff, and we kind of have forgotten about you. Now you're trying to jump back into it by doing these things. Yeah. Justin doing this seems like, although there have been a number of people, a number of celebrities who have challenged other celebrities to fights recently. Yeah. You know, there's like, who, aren't, what, who's Soldier Boy fighting? Or did he already fight somebody? Was he supposed to fight Chris Brown? I think he was. But you know what I'm saying? No, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. People have been doing that as like a thing now because they know that no one's going to ever like, who's ever going to say, yeah, you can challenge anybody. Which is why I said, I want someone to come out and challenge Justin. I want one of Tom Cruise's homies. Who's one of Tom Cruise's homies? Who's the... Who, who, who? It used to be Jamie Foxx. Will Smith used to... Yeah, Will Smith. Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames, yeah. Basically a bunch of black dudes. Ooh, Ving Rhames versus <laughs> Justin Bieber. Right. Oh. Well, I'll take Jamie Foxx. I'll take any of these dudes. First of all, I think people would gladly jump at the chance to beat up Justin Bieber. Yeah. That's the thing. People don't really want to beat up Tom Cruise. Because number one, if you fight Tom Cruise, you're fighting... The whole alienation. <laughs> and I think he's crazy. Like I think that like oh, yeah. you don't want to mess with crazy. No. He's gonna get up on a couch and like Like beat he the might shit. try to murder. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like and like smile with that weird like yeah. center tooth kind of thing. <laughs> <where he's> just, <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking like if you're fighting Tom Cruise, you're fighting this whole you know, what was the one comedian you said? What was his thing? Like if yeah, Tom Cruise take the fight, but if Bieber loses, Bieber has to join Scientology. Exactly. Yeah. That should be his thing. be high stakes. And, Be- and what if Bieber's like I already did. <laughs> oh, wink, wink, wink. That would be a hell of a show. Ooh, we, call, we, call this, we can call this fight Illuminati versus Scientology. Yeah. You know. Ooh. One thing I'm confused about, um, I know Bieber started out his career as a white artist. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he, you know, transitioned to like a black artist around. Like, yeah. I forgot. Not around. a physical transformation. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how my mind is picturing this. It's like he reversed Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> And then, so then he uh, became a white artist again recently, and now this uh, this stunt has me thinking: Is he going back to being a black artist again? So that's why I'm, this, I'm see, this, this sees, for me. I see this as crazy white artist. Yeah, this, oh, is the, this is this is entitled. This this seems crazy white entitled artist. Also, even Kanye doesn't do this, right? And, and when at what point in the white artist to black artist phase did he say racist stuff about black people? I just want to be clear about oh, that. Oh, that was when he was a kid. That was the, I think it was before he blew up. So that was still the white stage, too. I mean, so I think timeline-wise, is he recorded the racist stuff when yeah. he was, like, just blowing up, or, like, right before he blew up. Then he blew up. Then I think the video came out when yeah. he was already a big star, yeah. although he already had done it when he was younger. Yeah. So he was still white. And then he got <laughs> intimidated by those black people when his car broke down or something like that. Yes. They made him play basketball and sing for him. <laughs> Which is, you have not seen this I video. If you, if you have not seen the video, go look at it. Basically, Justin Bieber is forced. It's not, it's not even forced. It's almost like they don't even intimidate him. He just kind of was like, he looks like he's like he knew that he had done wrong in the past. Real quick, if there are any celebrities that you would want to challenge to a fight, is there one that you guys want to throw down with? I mean, I would want to win. So um, I would want to challenge someone. Like, what's that dude from... Um, from uh, the Big Bang Theory, the nerd. Oh, Parsons, Jim Parsons. Yeah, yeah. And that'd be like. That'd be pretty like, sure that's a hate crime. Yeah, like, like I'm pretty sure that's a hate crime. Why would he? Because he's gay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so people probably be like, you know what I mean? It'd be weird. 
It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no problems. <laughs> but uh, this you beat him, first of all, just because you beat him with a gay dude doesn't mean he's an automatic hate crime. Yeah. Although this one might be considered, yeah. you know. Although, Patrick's black, though. So, like, uh, my thing is, like, how... Wait, is, they don't know a black thing, Slavin. <laughs> but, like, he, he, he's Justin Bieber black. Where he's at this stage of his career, he's a black producer. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, we get him to white producer level. So you, you want to be black if you're beating up a gay person. Right. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You want to be a black person beating up a gay yeah. person. That's definitely, you know. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Happy Pride Month. Oh, Jesus Christ. Happy Pride Month. We love you. Everyone's equal in our eyes. Uh, um, is there any celebrity, preferably a straight white male, that you would like to beat up? Yeah. Justin Bieber. <laughs> we're talking about it right now. I, I wanted to beat up Justin Bieber before all of this took place. Mm. I still want to beat up Justin Bieber. I would settle for Ben Savage. Wow, okay. Only because my friend Ketrin, who have the, they have a great podcast, uh, Kim and Cat Stay Alive, maybe. it's uh, Check it out. But um, Ketrin was out at the parlor, or whatever it's called now, um, and Ben Savage was there and she was like talking to him, but she wasn't talking to him. She was like saying, excuse me. And he was like, she was trying to get past him. Past him. <laughs> and he was like, right. I know I'm Ben Savage. I get it. <laughs> and she was like, no, oh, no, excuse me. <laughs> like, and, like, so just from that alone, I won the punch. <laughs> uh, I would want to fight Kevin Bacon for not returning Patrick's calls mm. for the Arab there. Bacon's tough, bro. Uh, or, because I probably can't take Kevin Bacon, uh, any of the executives at Walt Disney who also won't return Patrick's calls mm. for the Air of Their sequel. Yeah. I'm going to Batfeet, bud. We're going to make this happen. Yeah. Uh, moving on to this week's movie review. So, if we're doing the movie review Dark Phoenix, Lonnie Finley has not seen this yet. At, at the time where I recording, I had not, yes. but you know... I will see this because I'm. Uh, I, w- I basically I want to see the door close in this franchise to see what's going to come up next. So yeah, uh, yeah. All right, so we saw Dark Phoenix this past week. Uh, Lonnie was not able to see it. Uh, I was able to see it with producer extraordinaire Patrick Pierre and my lovely wife Maritza. Uh, they were very big fans of the Dark Phoenix storyline in both the comics and the cartoon. I liked it as well, but I did not think this movie looked very good. I thought it looked great. They're very excited about it, so we decided to all see it together. I went into this movie with very, 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 very low expectations, especially once all the reviews came out that it was... They were calling it, like, the worst X-Men movie out of all of them. There have been some bad ones. There have been some great ones, but there have been some bad ones. So, going into this movie, not expecting much. Uh, Try not to do too many spoilers, but the movie is about Jean Grey... And she, along with the X-Men, going to space to save some astronauts who are kind of stranded out there. There's this big energy force out there. Jean is not able to get back to the team in time, and she absorbs all the energy. What should kill her actually makes her much stronger. And so she comes back. She feels great. Uh, She's more powerful than ever before, but... She's also having trouble sort of controlling that power, and she's also getting sort of evil urges. Uh, there is an alien race that wants to use her newfound superpowers to bring back their sort of extinct race, but they're evil and will do anything to sort of do it. 
she, in the meantime, is having a hard time controlling her emotions. Uh, she's pushing friends, family away, acting out violently. And she eventually sort of leaves the team, and they try and get her back. There are some people on the team that want to kill her because they feel she's too dangerous, and some of the damage she's already caused is sort of irreversible. Uh, so it's about everyone basically wanting a piece of Jean Grey, and uh, I mean the, the actual Dark Phoenix storyline in the comics and the cartoon is much more complex and much more rich. When they put the Dark Phoenix storyline within the confines of just one standalone movie, which they did it before with Last Stand, which was terrible, and they did it with Dark Phoenix, it, it's hard because there's you're just cramming a lot of stuff into one movie. So it's always kind of destined to fail when it's just one movie that they're telling the story. Uh, I have to say that I was pleasantly surprised. Not, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised like in a big, big way, but I thought it was going to be much worse. So there were definitely, it was definitely bad, but there were some moments where I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Some things I liked about the movie. I thought the music was great. I thought it really scored the scenes very well. And even while I was watching, I was like, wow, whoever did the score for this did a fantastic job. And I waited to see who did it in the credits. Find out it was Hans Zimmer, who is a brilliant genius. I thought he retired from doing superhero movies, then read that he came back for this and he's going to be doing the co-score for Wonder Woman 84. So glad he's still doing that because he's great at it. Uh, I've never liked Cyclops as a character in the cartoon or the comics. He's always been kind of like sort of like a stiff wet blanket, you know, like a, a Boy Scout, always rooted for Wolverine over him. And James Marsden, who played him in the other X-Men movies, is a great actor and love him. So it's not his fault that you don't really like Cyclops as much in those movies. He, it just wasn't written well for him to do a lot. But he was likable in that enough. But this new kid they got, uh, Ty Sheridan, he's been in uh, Scouts versus the Zombies, something, I saw, some movie I saw a while ago that wasn't very good. He was in uh, Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg's movie he was pretty good in. And I like him as Cyclops. He's, I think they're building him enough. He's a likable enough actor. He's doing some... He's not, like, stealing the show, but he does, like, a couple cool scenes, like, with his heat blasters and, like, sliding down stuff to try and save Gene. He's, he's really cool in this. For the first time, I'm like, oh, this Cyclops guy is actually kind of cool. Uh, the acting in this movie is fine. I mean, all of the actors are very capable. I feel actors like Jessica Chastain in this movie was totally wasted. She is so good at everything and she's basically playing an alien in this and so she's just very monotone and one note and that's not her fault that's her character but you could have gotten literally anyone else to play that role and Jessica Chastain is like just sort of talking real quick and not doing anything out of the ordinary and be monotone and lulling to sleep with her voice uh Fassbender's great James McAvoy's great uh Jennifer Lawrence is great everyone like again the acting is good in this I just feel like the movie hit the right notes that it was supposed to hit, but it didn't resonate with me. I, I can't really explain it. It just didn't didn't really make an impact. Maybe I'm spoiled by these Marvel movies and the Avengers where like every scene makes me laugh or cry or feel something and just get goosebumps. This one, like there's moments where, spoiler alert, kind of like, you know, characters get hurt, characters die. And the acting's there and you you feel for everyone in it, but is more you you know you're watching actors. You're 
you're not feeling it, you're watching the actors do a good acting job. So that kind of took me out of it a bit. I thought there were some good action pieces at the end. There's a fight in front of like, Brownstone in New York. There's a train sequence where they're all kind of fighting on the train, which I thought was really cool. I talked to some people who didn't like any of that, but that was stuff that I liked from it. Uh, talked to my wife, who was very excited about this movie. I tried to temper expectations. She kind of agreed with me that it was not a great movie. We, all, we both agreed it was better than Last Stand. We both liked it better than Apocalypse. Uh, but other than that, it just wasn't a great movie. It was kind of underwhelming. Uh, I were, I'm giving this movie a one ticket stub out of three ticket stubs. Uh, Maritza said she was going to give it a 1.5. She describes it as an adult ticket, a child's ticket, so she liked it a little better than me. And then, Patrick, you don't have to go in depth with your review, but what was your rating on this movie that you were so excited about and thought the trailers looked incredible and were all about? I know I was so excited about this movie. Uh, I remember uh, all year it was three films that I was excited for. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. uh, Star Wars, uh, Rise of Skywalker, and Dark Phoenix. Those three you know, is the only film that I've been waiting for all year. I mean, besides uh, Endgame, of course. Of course. <laughs> so once I saw Dark Phoenix, you know, as Vince said, it's one of my favorite X-Men stories. So, But, you know, I saw the trailers like a year or two ago where I know it looked bad. So my expectations were extra low. But then they came out with some better trailers this year, I believe. And I got excited again. So I, I went in there, you know, with expectations being low, but, you know, my excitement was back. But I, I have to say, I was disappointed. You know, uh, I'm glad I saw it, but it wasn't as, you know, as good, you know, as I thought it, it was going to be. So I would have to give it a one-ticket stub. Yeah, go by yourself. Don't take anyone with you, because if you do take someone with you, they might... Get mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I got mad at you guys for making me go see it. So, yeah. So, I give it a one-ticket stub out of three. Just go by yourself and don't tell anybody you went. Yeah. So, general consensus, one-ticket stub out of three for Dark Phoenix. Oh, and a bonus, uh, zero ticket stubs out of three for Loquisha. Uh, Don't see this movie at all whatsoever. The less said about it, the better. I saw it because it was free on Amazon Prime. Uh, if you are at all curious about the movie, just watch the trailer. If it's still online, or Nathan Rabin on NathanRabin.com has this great article detailing the movie and how bad it is. Read that instead of watching the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Song of the week this week is S-W-A-N. I don't know if it's supposed to be sort of just letters or swan by Bobby Fino, featuring Xavier Omar. This song surprised me, because I didn't realize that Bobby Fino is also known as Arian Foster. This is the former running back for uh, many of my fantasy teams, so always appreciate the hard work he put in. Uh, he seems to be just a talented dude. He was in draft day, and not bad in that. He's he actually was pretty good in drafting. Yeah, he actually was really good. So now he's rapping, and this song, I just want to check it out because I'm always curious to hear rappers, not rappers, athletes rap. Because we grew up with athletes being terrible at rapping, for the most part. 
Amen. Shaq, Shaq's soul. I'm not talking about Shaq. Okay, good. I'm okay. not talking about all right, Shaq. All right, good. I say because I'm saying what Jay said. I'm talking about Shaq. Went, Shaq. I'm talking about the psychic Kobe. Oh, <laughs> he is a horrible rapper. Yes. Uh, so Eric Foster, I was pleasantly surprised because I thought he was going to be. A lot of these athletes are on the new style of rap. You know the. Like not mumble rap, but da 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 da. Yeah, I'm like a da 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 da. Where do you fit? Where do you fit, Damon? Dame Dame's like East Coast influence. He's like golden era type. Like he's he's kind of got like a boom bap style. Yeah, he's yeah. he's definitely. I wouldn't say like Wu Tang, but like he's someone who you can tell like where he's, he came, yeah. He's like a, he's almost like the Nas rapper of the NBA. Yeah. Like where he's almost like, oh, this guy can really spit. Uh, so Arian Foster listening to this song is very catchy. The the hook is great. It's music. Just sort of, it just, it's just kind of warm. It makes you feel good. Yeah. It's about, it's, it's kind of like a love letter to like, like a girl that I don't think he's with anymore, and just talking about like them going through their stuff. And so he's got some good wordplay in it. His voice sounds good. He almost kind of sounds like vocally J Cole to me, and lyrically a little also. And also, I find the way that he, uh, his his flow, the way he kind of like raps on the beat, and sometimes off beat, but not really off beat, is reminiscent a little bit of Andre 3000 where it's like oh I'm gonna rap on beat but kind of my own way I'm sort of going to yeah, follow yeah. my own lane which is sort of characteristic of Arian Foster because he's always been the sort of think outside the box exactly what I was like and then like you know when you think about both of those two people you mentioned were J. Cole <laughs> J. Cole and Andre are people who were they have similarities to Arian which is like he was never he like didn't really like you know he was like, I'm playing football, I'm doing this, but, you know, I'm breaking the mold a little bit. And also, too, how he got into the NFL, basically, you know, so he always kind of had that uh, mentality. And I love this from the standpoint that, like, people, the other stuff that, that people can do, the other stuff, how that people can do is always fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what else can you do? What else do you do? Like, you know, he retired essentially because he kept having too many injuries, yeah. you know what I mean? And, like, but injury aside, he could still be performing right now, probably. Yeah. Like, you know how running backs go. Exactly. So to be able to, like take what you do and then like move it to something else like prime example is um thomas jones you know thomas yeah, jones exactly. former running back for the bears and a bunch of other teams. i have served him at uh hollywood highland Cup. Top. super nice guy really good actor yeah bro. like a really good actor yeah where i'm like wow i mean you, if you some of you i don't know like he's, he's been in those he's been most recently been in those old spice commercials uh where he's um he apologizes for using his body wash and like that, but he's yeah. just so like so dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's actually really good. So it's like it's good to see that like the branch out of what these other artists can do um, is very inspiring. And like you know, I want Arian Foster to do well. Oh, I want absolutely. Him to, you know, I want this to be something yeah. where it actually like you know, can you get an album, get an album coming out. Yeah, like I, how it'd be nice to be like, could you go and could you dominate another genre? This has you know? got me excited to hear more stuff. From yeah, yeah. Do you think uh, he's going to be as good of a rapper as he was a football player based on that song, or is that possible? Mm, I mean, I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of impact he makes on the rap game versus impact he made on the NFL, that's a different story. It's a hard thing to kind of measure, yeah. too, because, like, you know, you, you can come out there and football in hand and do... It's stats. It's yeah, like... Yeah, do amazing things. Yeah. This is art. It's, yeah, and so, like, it's a judgment call, like, about, like, is it going to be about, you know, are we equating, like... Yards and touchdowns, fancy points to album sales, and how you you know I mean like what's the what's the ratio there? Yeah. Uh, based upon the song, though, I think that like 
people are gonna have to take notice. Yeah. Also, too, it ain't like he can't put money into his projects. Right. And so that's really a big bonus in these things. Like you can, you can put money. You want to put on a show. You want people. To, people be like, of course we're gonna put a, put this guy on to whatever or have him do it. Now you know, what I do like about that is like if he if he isn't delivering like like if he can't deliver as a rapper, think about rap and about the hip hop culture. We're not gonna put you on just because you're like. Oh, I'm this person. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be whatever. But a small part of that will be like, oh, you're Aaron Foster? Sure. Yeah. Just because you got money, you got notoriety. The reason I even clicked on the link was because it said, Aaron, a.k.a. Aaron Foster. And right. it piqued my curiosity. That's what I'm saying. So people will build off of that. And so which is almost like you want him to be good. Because yeah. like, you don't get this popularity anyway because you already had it. So yeah. I think that I think I would need to see a little bit more to be like, oh, where are you? Like, you know, what uh, what level of what level he's going to reach. I mean, you need to have a more of a career for me to be like, yeah. you know, where are you at? I think know? based on this song, I think he definitely has potential to do it. I think he can do it. Yeah. Uh, so definitely check out Swan by, his name is Bobby Fino, featuring Xavier Omar. But some women would appreciate the fact I've taken this onus. I own it. It's my fault, but your debt. And you pay with regret. Remember that day that we met? Me neither. That moves us to the classy portion of the show. When you hear that classical music, you know what time it is. This week in hip hop history. This week in hip hop history. It's this week in hip hop history for the week of June 3rd through the 9th. Starting off. On June 3rd, 1997, Wu-Tang Clan releases Wu-Tang Forever. It was their double album, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. It featured a whopping 27 songs. Uh, the lead single was Triumph. Wu-Tang is here forever, motherfuckers. This is 97. I... Classic songs, nearly six minutes long. It's got nine verses from the group members. No hook which I know a lot of people sort of, whenever a long song is done with a bunch of rappers, just verse no hook, it's always referred to as like, oh, this is kind of like their triumph song. And it was a triumph. It was a big hit and everyone loves it. Um, I want to point out that like, they they don't know the word overdoing it. No. <laughs> they don't, no one's ever said this is too much. <laughs> this is, yeah, this was not but like shocking. We got another song, we got seven more. That's like 27. Yeah, we gotta put everyone in. <laughs> yeah. uh, in fact, it was hailed for RZA's type production and its ability to give everyone sort of room to shine. This yeah. is when they were still good. Is the yes, way. well, according to you, God, this was like probably their last good last album. Good. Oh. Or at least the production on this album was the last right. good production. Right. And if you guys said it, <laughs> all right, Patrick? Damn it, I'm being vain. <laughs> First of all, I was not here last week. Was it last week? You guys? Anyway, you know, so basically, you got, in my opinion, was the second worst uh, member of the Wu Tang Clan. The first. <laughs> the first. Not being, seventh strongest. <laughs> the second worst. <laughs> the first was being Master Killer. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, so someone who's the second worst in, in a hip hop group should not. <laughs> Should not be talking about <laughs> the group has fallen off or the. Cause if it wasn't for RZA, you would not sound like a, a even like decent amount as great as you did. So don't you ever, ever, ever talk about yes. RZA like that again. Yes. Whoa! Fuck that shit. Come and <laughs> 
I'm coming sorry, at God. you guys. I'm sorry. I just coming sorry. at you guys oh, like, yes. whoa. Shit, I love it. I love He's, it. <laughs> it it, it, it would have made a lot more impact if it had been uh, Method Man or a Red Man. Or, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> So that was incredible. I, I love, love it. it. Love it. That was awesome. You got you got words you got, you know where you can find us? Come see us. Hey, home with the real hip hop right. we bait you in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, June 5th, 1993, Reverend Calvin Butts, don't laugh, steamrolls rap CDs and cassettes to protest their lyrics. Uh, the Reverend of the historical uh, Bissonian Baptist Church? It's not important. Okay. Uh, in Harlem, rented a small steamroller for a demonstration to destroy rap CDs and cassettes that he found lewd and offensive. Wow. He was only able to crush a few cassettes when protesters stood in front of the rest of the CDs and tapes in a counter-protest, which like I a, love. I love yeah, that he, he wasted his money right here. <laughs> Hey, first of all, you already purchased CDs. Thank you very much, yeah. my friend. It's like a little hip-hop Tiananmen Square almost right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, not the same. Right. No, I, I, totally, I got what you're saying. But I'm the glad idea, you clarified I'm it like, for anyone else. Right. Yeah. The idea that, like, nah, man. People, I love the community being like, or the protesters being like, no, dude, what are you doing right now? And you know what? That reverend has had zero impact on what the hip-hop culture has done. Oh, no. You haven't done anything, man. And uh, maybe you should, like, you know, Maybe you should have steamrolled action movies at the time. I don't know. Ooh, but I've also would have protested that. Right, I'm saying, I'm just saying, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, we can pick and choose what we want to steamroll because we, everything's, you know, that's our culture, bro. Maybe he could have just bought all the air up there VHS cassettes and no. steamrolled over those, no. you know? First of all, maybe. no one would ever do that because that's an amazing film and uh, I would never do that. Or maybe uh, protest. I know he's not the same technical religion, Baptist versus Catholics, but uh, your brethren in the cloth, uh, 90s, they were kind of doing some shady shit. And, you know, maybe protest. Or forever that. they were doing some shady shit. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Uh, maybe there's other things to protest in your own house. Exactly. Yeah. Not, I mean, not your because Baptist, Catholic, whatever, but. I'm just saying, like, you know, as a whole. Right, as a whole. I mean, even in, in, even in our community of, like, you know, whatever, maybe. He's not a rapper, so why are you talking about rap? When you look inside and yeah. say, are you doing everything right? yourself for your parishioners and all that where's your money going where are they where are they tithing to sir i don't know i'm just saying where's the money come for the steamroller come from i don't know he who's without sin cast the first stone i know jesus christ the bible right so one thing i remember from that uh whole thing was uh vinny from naughty by nature in a press conference he said and i quote reverend kevin butt could kiss my butt unquote. Ooh. wordplay bars right some of his weaker bars, but, yeah, but, but still. Right. It's yeah. bus and bus. It right, right, right. so much. He's like, I'm like, I'm like yeah, I made it work. So, yeah. uh, June 7th, 1994, Warren G releases his debut album, Regulate, G-Funk Era, featuring the smash hit, which was the title track, Regulate. Regulate! It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warren G was on the streets, trying to consume some search for And hit, Do You See? And... This DJ album went multi-platinum, was nominated for two Grammy Awards. It also reached number two on the Billboard 200. I mean, this was a big album. Uh, it was kind of like a more harmonious, laid-back, G-Funk type of rapper. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was that song in general. But just that album is like is a just like the whole the idea of like literally the G-Funk era, which is like this, you know, kind of gave another avenue for rappers to kind of like a style, you know, of like rap. Uh, it's, it's the great part about it. It's one of those things where like, there's some songs and it's weird because if you don't know, you might be like, oh, that was one hit, one hit and it was ever. I'm like, nah, you know, Warren G had hits, right? But like, this is one of those things when it comes on, you're like, 
I know every word to the song. Yeah. I'm past it. Everybody's like, oh, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it, it, anytime you can enter into that level of like, you put that song on, everybody loves it. I, can't, I don't know anybody who's not like, doesn't bump it regularly. Like, also, we named our trivia team after that song. We were the regulators. And we... We won Trivia Bowl. Right. And our name is on a plaque at Springbok in Van Nuys forever. Which I know you're thinking... That's not a big deal. You are wrong. That is a very big deal. And our trophy also it hangs with the other trophies. Right. We were underdogs we were by far. Oh, yeah. We are playing against like people who hired out Jeopardy people, which is not illegal somehow. No, it's not illegal. Because it's trivia. But, but yeah, you're basically trying to get your super team, Golden State. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the Raptors come along. Yeah, we came in. We, we, had, we, had, our, we had our people. Yeah. You know? we, had, we, had, we had brought a, we had a Marcus Hall come in mid-season. Yeah. I don't know where Marcus Hall was, but... You know, I don't know either, but the, the <laughs> metaphor simply fits in our heads. Regulators is something that we we, we live by, bro. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, June eighth, two thousand four, Terror Squad releases the smash hit "Lean Back." Do the rock away. Lean back. Vocals were obviously from Fat Joe and Remy Ma. Uh, it was produced by Scott Storch. Uh, this classic song went number one on both the Billboard Hot one hundred and the R&B hip-hop charts for weeks, so it was a huge crossover hit. The following year, an official remix with Lil Jon, Eminem, and Mace was released. Uh, the remix was okay, but the, the original song was... We were in college at that time, and it was everywhere. Every college bar we went to, every party we went to, that song was playing. And the good part about it is, I like songs that tell you how to do the dance move in the song. I like when they say what you're doing as you're doing the song, and it gave a lot of people, a lot of fat dudes, a thing that they could do that let them hang out yeah. and still be like partying. Because the girl's like, you know, she never want to dance, she never want to go out and dance with me, you don't dance, she's standing there, whatever. He's like, you know what, I'm fine. I'm gonna lean back. And he starts leaning, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just love that idea. <laughs> and I, I like the song, even though I felt it was a personal attack to, to me, because in college, the only way I could impress women was to dance. Right. And so, like, to show off, like, some dance moves on the floor. So I felt like this song was undercutting all my efforts and being like, oh, no, you must be cool. I'm too cool for that. I'm just going to, like, but, lean back. I'm like, damn it. Like, why am I busting my ass out here then? But he, like, that's what he, he, he was personally attacking. It was. Because he's like, you're the person where they're like, like yo, this guy's coming to here all, like, moonwalking in and yeah. damn rum over here, kicking his leg out. You know, girls being like, what's going on with this guy? And then everyone was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So essentially, I think this whole song is an attack on you. True fact, every crush that I had in college left me for Fat Joe. Yeah. Every semester. Yeah. Without fail. Right. Still like the song. So shows you how much staying power it has. Yeah. And it shows you how Fat Joe's like, you know, got some pull. Yeah. You got some a little pull, bit of Casanova. Yeah. Yeah. That little Latin Good for you, Fat Joe. Good for yeah. you. Uh, also, June 8th, 1984, the movie Beat Street was released. It starred Ray Don Chong and Guy Davis, featured cameos from DJ Cool Herc, The Treacherous Three, Dougie Fresh, Grandmaster Melly Mel, Africa Bombada, and the Soul Sonic Force, and Jazzy J. The film. Uh, incorporated the four classic elements of hip-hop, rapping, turntablism, DJing, uh, graffiti, and breakdancing, and also featured a classic b-boy battle between the New York City Breakers and the Rocksteady crew. Uh, I think that we should 
watch this at some point and yes. do a review of this because I like I want to start to do some reviews of some old cl- classic hip hop movies. Absolutely. And this is a amazing film for that reason and what it incorporated at time. I think we should do that and we should like bring it to the audience and be like, yo, what we thought about it. Um, also, what happened to Ray Don Chong? I don't know. I don't know either, man. She's talented. She's, talented, she's lovely. Yeah. We're her. I'd like to see her again. I would too. All right, so that wraps up this week in hip hop history. That also wraps up our show for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Hip Hop Movie News. Also, Facebook, Hip Hop and Movie News page. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, and then if, you know, if you are an artist out there and you want us to check out some music or you know pretend to be on the show, uh, we're starting to move in that direction, which is really great. We want to you know definitely get more uh, interviews and stuff. So hit us up. You know, you got some friends you think want to need to be on the show, need to be heard. Hit us up. Uh, we love talking to people, speaking hip hop. And if you also are in that movie thing, you got something you're premiering, whether it be short film, whatever, hit us up. Yeah. Let us know. We want to see a lot it. of actors out come here. and talk to some people, do some interviews. You guys love bragging about yourself. Brag love bra- here. bragging. Brag on it here. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, don't mind. You got egos. We'll stroke yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Stroke. I'll stroke it. Yeah. Okay. And that well, ending ending on the stroke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for hip hop and movie news, I am Vince Eustace. I'm Lonnie Finley. See, I don't even know if I have to say my name or not. But you just throw me off. Sometimes he says the name for yeah, you. Yeah, sometimes he says so the name for you. Like, so what's the, do I say my name or do you say my name? I feel like you... T- all right, let's, let's settle this once and for all. <laughs> yes. Do you want me to say your name? Yes. All right. Okay. Producer extraordinaire, Pat Friere. Lover of all things there, up there. It's a little second thought. <laughs> you knew we were going to this. You asked for this. You knew you brought this no, on yourself, Patrick Pierre. No, the moment you, you said do this it, on yourself. No, I thought the producer surgeon was in the beginning and at the end. I just well, now, it. but yeah, but now because you yeah. you won't do it. Damn it. You gave me you gave me carte blanche. Right. All right. So for so there's still no answer. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stumble through it next week right, as well. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, that does it for us. So just chill until the next episode. Yes, yes, y'all.